The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to Capital Weekly's regular podcast. I'm John Howard, I'm the editor of Capital Weekly. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest, Alexei Kosef, a reporter with the Sacramento Bee's Capital Bureau and uh, a specialist, I guess is the word for the broader public, in uh, UC. And some of the things you've been covering lately have included UC tuition, UC's responses to audits, UC tuition increases. And that's why I wanted to ask you to join us on the podcast. Every time I look at UC's latest tuition proposal, it just I go ballistic. It just I can't believe it. I looked up in an inflation calculator, um, the U.S. inflation calculator, and the Daily Cal, and they said in 1975 fees at UC for undergraduates were 150 bucks, <laughs> for graduate students 180 bucks. And now I I was looking at your latest story on it. You'd mentioned. Uh, a 2.7 increase for the under, for the domestic undergrads of almost 13000 a year for tuition. It just seems like exponentially. So what's your take on it, Alexa? Is it as bad as I think it is? And you're balanced and sane, unlike me. So is it as, ba- is it as bad as it's, it looks to me, or is there other things going on here? It's This is such a complicated topic. It always gets people really, really outraged, and the reality is that you can kind of see it from all different angles because uh-huh. you're absolutely right that tuition at UC and universities in general has increased at a rate well beyond inflation, particularly in the last 10, 15 years as the recession hit mm-hmm. and the dot-com bust happened. They increased tuition significantly to make up for budget shortfalls. So mm-hmm. we've seen yeah. tuition increase about double in the last decade and three times in the last 15 years or so. That's where the bulk of the increases are happening. Mm -hmm. But UC would come back and they would say, it costs a lot of money to educate students. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot. We do research. We do teaching. We we have to pay employees. And at the end of the day, someone is going to pay for it, whether it's the University of California Mm -hmm. um, students and their families or the state and as the state has put less money into the university Mm -hmm. the the university has gone and looked for other ways to to get that money and that has increasingly meant raising fees on students is the um uh, uh it's not really an argument i guess it's the position of the university in part that they provide financial subsidies, financial uh, help and resources to incoming students. It's not, the, the picture isn't as black as I may paint it, for example. There are uh, students who basically are attending UC and in real dollars aren't paying tuition or paying far less than it looks like on paper. Is that, I mean, is that a legitimate position yet? So they have policies, pretty generous policies for California students to get financial aid if your family makes under about 70 or eighty thousand dollars a year then they will find ways to cover any gaps that may remain between the cal grants the state financial aid for the needy and what you may owe that could involve grants of their own so that you don't owe anything it might be work study so that you have to you know work a couple hours on campus here or there 
but they try and be generous about that. And I think they've said that maybe half of their California students aren't paying anything in tuition. The issue is Wait, that... can you say that again? I think they've said that about half of their California students are not paying tuition. Wow. But the issue is that there are a tremendous amount of other costs associated with going to college. And yeah. those are actually far greater than the tuition itself. That's books. That's rent, transportation, food. And a lot of these campuses are located in areas where the cost of going to these colleges has exploded in recent years. Yeah. Think about Berkeley. Think about UCLA, which is in Westwood, uh, Irvine. I mean, San Diego. The housing there is so expensive and all of these books and things. So students are saying, well, it's great that you provide financial aid, but that's not that's not enough. And when you have to put all your money for financial aid into covering this huge cost of tuition and that doesn't leave much else for the grants that students need to be able just to eat or live as well as going to school so again it's a complicated issue with a lot of different sides not to mention that as the cost of tuition goes up and up and up now almost thirteen thousand dollars a year just for in-state students the the income level at which that is affordable also goes up and up and up. And so you're talking about only the, the wealthiest families that can really just afford to send their students to UC anymore. Uh, I think that's where a lot of the outrage comes from. And meanwhile, they've also got a nearly $30,000 supplemental fee for out-of-state students and international students. So I was looking that, at those numbers. That, that's amazing. So the, the I think it was twenty almost 28,000 for out-of-state and foreign students as opposed to Thirteenth, I mean, it's more than double what, and that's on top of. So, when you're looking at the twenty-eight thousand plus yeah. the thirteen thousand, you're looking at private school numbers now for a student who's coming out of state, and yeah. that supplemental fee is also something that they have really increased in the last few years. Uh, just about four or five years ago, they really started turning up their efforts to recruit students from out of state and abroad, which led to its own controversy at yeah. the Capitol. There's a lot of negative uh, right. coverage of that. But yeah. their whole argument is the more students that we can get from out of state who pay this extra money that's not covered by financial aid, that's another way for us to raise money that the state won't provide. So, And at the same time, there seems to be sort of an aggressive um, program to get in-state students from, the, from CSU, from the community colleges, to get them to apply and make uh, arrangements for them to make it easier for them to transfer from uh, CSU or from the community college. Sure. That seems to me what, a lot of What work. UC would say is that by getting more out-of-state students who are bringing in this additional money, we are actually opening up slots for in-state students because students who are coming from out of state with that supplemental fee are paying more than what it costs to educate them. Yeah, and so uh -huh. they are supplementing students that the state might not be covering. That's complicated math. I have not looked at a budget sure. that would allow me to independently verify it, but that's their justification for doing that. Is, um, is there any move, serious move within the institution there over the years, this topic has come up, uh, I don't really know if it's serious. So like dividing the state in half or dividing the state into six parts. But UC, they talk about privatizing. There's always a discussion about making UC a private institution. Does that – have you heard that? Does that make sense? Is that – I don't Basically, think... they're angry at state supervision or state control. Yeah, well, so UC is actually quite unique 
unlike the California State University system or the community college system, they have a lot of autonomy that's been granted to them in the state constitution. So whereas the state can pass laws that mandate for CSU or the community colleges to do something, they can really only suggest that UC does something. So there isn't really any serious talk of privatizing, but there's always a tension there between the university and the state over what the state wants the university to be doing and what the state can actually force the university to do. Is the state um, still providing about a third of the budget, or has that that number declined over time? Do you know? There's a couple different budgets because UC is not just the uh, is just not just its ten campuses. It also has five hospital systems. Oh, it okay. also has. Um, a lot of auxiliary services. I mean, it's doing all kinds of things beyond just educating students. Three national labs, all kinds of research and things like that. So its overall budget is something like $28 billion. Its budget for educating undergraduates, which is the thing that gets the most attention, is about $6 billion. And um, I believe that the state provides somewhere around a third of that portion of the smaller portion of that money uh-huh. yes okay. yes um another argument or another discussion about tuition increases uh gets into recruiting top personnel top ac- academics from across the country and so you there is a sense of um you, you have to get into sort of bidding war for lack of a better term to make sure you get the top people we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in salaries for is that from what you've seen of UC, is that a legitimate uh, argument that the tuition should be, we need more money to, to recruit the top people? One of the, one of the controversial things that they have needed money for is the pension system. Uh, the, the university has a pretty generous pension system. Uh, it's separate from the state employee pension system. And so they have their own problems with keeping it fully funded and all of that. And as they were particularly uh, a little over three years ago now when they proposed this massive tuition increase that would have been up to 5% each year for five years that generated just huge outcry in the legislature and across the state. One of the things that they said they needed that money for was to pay down debt for pensions. And um, the faculty... The faculty has always said that that generous pension system is a huge recruiting tool for them because it gives, quote, golden handcuffs to faculty that they wouldn't want to leave the university because they have this generous pension. And as a result of getting more money from the state, Jerry Brown made them institute changes to their pension system that have upset a lot of the higher paid employees because they feel that it's not as generous and therefore it will make it harder for them to get some of that top talent to the university. And a few years ago, I remember there was an outcry about the growth of the administrative personnel, sort of the people that are not professors and, you know, they're not upper tier people, they're just management people and that it had there had been an exponential growth and that growth and that that's where the costs were really skyrocketing. Is that, is that still a concern? Is that, has that been borne out? I mean, all of these things are in part true and in part talking points from people who have their own agendas about what they'd like to see the university doing. A lot of times you see lower paid employees or faculty complaining about the administrative growth. Well, yes, there are more higher paid administrative employees than there have been in the past, but part of that, the university says, is because of expansion in their 
medical systems in, you know, like the UCLA hospitals or UCSF, which they say has nothing to do with the finances of, of the undergraduate universities that really are the core of what we're talking about. On the other hand, yes, there's been a huge expansion of administrative programs on campuses, things like diversity initiatives, uh, the Title IX coordinators that are needed to handle sexual assault complaints, which has been another big point of discussion in the last few years in higher education. So there's demands that the university be doing more, which necessitates them expanding administ- you know, the administrative function. And there's also a lot of complaints about that they've gone too far with that. You know, it's hard. Again, they're not very transparent about their budget and everything that they're doing in this massive $28 billion system. So it's kind of hard to say whether those complaints are justified or not. Well, that transparency in the budget always comes up. Is that... Um is that a, a del- I mean, is that is that that's just the nature of a budget of an institution that's so vast and complex? You can't expect it to be particularly easy to decipher, you know, to discern budget items. Or is it actually its very complexity makes it easier for them to to budget so that it, so that it is harder to, you know? I'd say it's probably both. I mean, I would imagine that they must have people internally who know that budget back and forth. Otherwise, how would the university function? But it's true. It's an incredibly complex system. Ten campuses, five medical systems, all these other initiatives, three national labs. And that makes it very easy for them to say, well, you know what? It's too complicated for us to tell you how things are operating it's just too much information you're just going to have to trust us is the budget readable i don't think i've ever seen separately a uc budget i've seen it described in the department of finance you know in the annual budget report and i've seen it in the lao analyzing it so i've read i guess i've never really read a uc budget i've 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 read the spin-offs, you know, or those responding to it. They provide documents for things like university of uh, the the board of regents uh, meetings, yeah. you know, they'll get annual budget updates, but it's still pretty high-level information that they're providing. Okay. Alexei Kosov, thank you very much. Thanks for coming and joining us. We've Thanks learned so all about UC, me. and we're going to forget it immediately as soon as you leave. Tim Foster, thank you very much. Thank you. And this is John Howard. We'll see you next time around. Thank you. <laughs>